That's a much easier conversation. And that's how you, A, get credibility, B, never be a yes person, and C, get to the outcome. The B2B Marketing Exchange was created with one goal in mind, to help B2B practitioners across marketing and sales be better at their jobs. Now we're bringing the insights from the stage to your ears. These are the tips and tools you need to succeed. This is the B2B Marketing Exchange Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the B2BMX podcast. This week, we're taking a look back at a past session from B2B SMX. And if your 2022 resolution was to get one step closer to becoming a CMO, this episode is for you. We have an all-star panel who sat down together to discuss you guessed it, how they became CMOs. And while there obviously isn't, you know, a a real formula to do it, there are no tricks, uh, they do share some tips on what you can do to get there faster. It's really a great conversation. So with that, I'm not going to hold it up any longer. Let's roll the tape in three, two, one. All right, guys, how's everybody doing? Back in over here, flip my funnel, track. Thank you so much for being here. This is one of my favorite topics that I've talked about for the last year and a half. How the heck do you become a CML? And then Dara said to me, hey, we should also talk about how do you stay a CML. <laughs> <laughs> so that's really, really interesting. So real quick, how many of you are CMOs or have marketings? All right? How many of you want to become a CMO one day? I'm assuming and hoping everybody says, yeah, no, I'm not sure, it's the wrong spot. <laughs> so I'm glad you're here. So I'll let you, each one of you guys, just intro yourself, give a little bit of background, and we're going to talk about some truth, some things that you have never said out loud. It will be today. Oh. Right? This is something that people should walk away saying, like, oh my God, I never thought that's true. So Sean, why don't you kick it off? Tell okay. us a little bit about yourself. Uh, Sean Herring, I'm the head of marketing at Candidoc. I've got 20 years experience of marketing, technology, or a combination of marketing and technology. And what was the path for you to become CMO real quick? Like, oh, what the role were you in? More demand gen. I want more the demand gen, field marketing, revenue marketing problem. Gotcha. Right? Yeah. So, my name is Deanna Ransom. I'm the head of marketing at Sensing, former CMO of Televerde. You might be more familiar with them. My pathway to the CMO chair was as a sales rep, believe it or not, back in ERP sales. Don't date me. Uh, and then into field marketing, demand generation, and on into the C-suite. My sales to demand gen. All right, Garab. Garab, chief marketing officer and chief experience officer at Benfed is a great union, uh, second time CMO. My path was pretty different. I'm a technical engineer by trade. Uh, had stints in business development, sales, product marketing, did everything. I never thought I'd be a CMO, but that makes <laughs> <laughs> And Penfield is a gigantic company. If you guys go check it out, it's, it's, a, it's, an, it's an $8 billion dollar. What are you doing? Thirty million. All right. Yeah. Just a little bit more. Just a little bit more. Yeah. A little bit more than that. So, one of the most important questions that I hear from people who want to become a CMO, uh, they're like, I hit a director level. I hit a VP level, but I can never break through. What has been each of your experience of like, how do you break through that? Were you, did you hit that at any point? And if you did, like, what made you break through? I think mine was a pretty simple switch. You went in my head, they say, okay, I'm a functional level expert. People look at me only as I know marketing. 
but some of the conversation they're keep, keeping me out simply because I don't understand finance as much. I really don't understand the business levers. So how do you really become more of a horizontal? Can you be a business leader first and a marketer next? It's a difficult pivot because 15 years you spent kind of owning your scale, you know everything, but now you have to take horizontal view and say, guys, you need to talk the CEO language, the CFO language. And I mean, then I practiced for almost a year before I got the opportunity. So it's tough once the switch happens, but it will eventually happen. Hey, Jeff, like, I'm not going to go like, you next, you next, you next, you We're not going to play the game. Right? I, I'm going to dive in, right? Because for me, it was a little different. Uh, I definitely hit a ceiling, right? Where it just felt like I was banging my head and, and was never going to be able to make the transition. And, you know, the harder I worked and the more you produced, it seemed like I was getting feedback that said, we need you to stay here, as opposed to wanting to see me excel to the next step. So I had to make some moves and actually leave companies. And I had to, in order to progress upward, I had to go to another company where I could be seen for the value. I also built very intentional relationships across the business. Tell me what's important to you. Sit with the CFO, learn their language, learn what's important. Sit with the COO, sit with the CIO. Have conversations with the sales leaders and really start to understand their needs, how it intersects with yours, and then be able to deliver value back there. Yeah, I, uh, I had to start my own company to become a CMO. <laughs> That's one way to get to the CMO. You can have as many scene conversations. That's right. Me and the two other people in the room, it was amazing. Yeah. Consensus. No, but I did. I hit a director level limit with um, the company actually we both worked at. So at Salesforce, I had a director level limit. And I became more obsessed with the title than the responsibility. And that's when I realized, like, I'm not doing the right thing. That's like going into medicine for the money instead of the people. Right? You'll make money, but you're not doing it for the right reasons. Uh, and so, I left and I was like, I think I could do more than what I'm actually like stay in your lane. Like that's great, but stay over here. Well the bigger companies want you to stay in your lane. Uh, so sometimes you gotta go small to get big. And so that's what we did. Like I started a company, I consulted for a little bit, realized that there's a very easy pattern to recognize when it comes to marketing, especially in a certain range of companies, like five million to like fifty million. They have the same kind of patterns that they're trying to figure out. And so that I just said, all right, well maybe I could do this for my company. And started a company, and then uh, basically what I've been trying to do is take that playbook and expand it out. And I just found my sweet spot is 10 to 100 million. Like that is where I do really well with marketing. And I, I'm proving it again at Panadoc. Like uh, I, a good example I would give is I interviewed, and they're like, "Do you want to be the CMO?" I'm like, "Yeah, I want to be the CMO, but I'm going to prove out right now that I can operationalize marketing because it's busted." And they gave me the job because of that, not because I reached for the CMO. What was the growth when you, before you joined and now that you've been there for uh, how long? I joined Panda about two and a half years ago. We were at 10 million when I joined and we're rounding the 50 mark right now. It's crazy. How many of you guys use Panda Doc? How many need to? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. I don't do my job. <laughs> no, yeah. we've quadrupled in two and a half years, but it's not, it's not me, it's more about, it's fun to see that half. But I had to go small to get big. Uh, and so we're going to open up with questions in a minute because this is this needs to be a conversation. And folks in this room, if you have never asked the hard conversation, we're going to, this is the time. Like you, you know, we, we we have in the big community that we all in. We've talked about equity. We've talked about comp. We've talked about all these other challenging things. So this is it. 
where you can actually get into it. So if you have questions, raise your hand, I'll call your name in a second. All right, let's go a little deeper. All right. What makes a good CMO? And then I'm going to ask the converse of it if you can in the same way, in the same way of thing, like, what makes a bad CMO? Like, what is it that, okay, this is not the way to do it. Yeah, I, I can think I know what you're going to go with the question. You've got to flip the phone up like that. I know what you're going to go with. I think a good, good CMO is really understanding your audience, right? We all understand our customers, but we fail to understand our peers and what people the organization needs. So you have to anticipate what questions they're going to ask and have the answer ready. Uh, stop going deep, the audience will win it. And if you can have relationships, like you guys said, I mean, it's going to be pretty important, right? Is that who likes you and can you have business impact? Because in our organization, I'm, I'm just going to do a little bit of advertising here, is that it was flat growth, 3%. Last two years, marketing growth, 40 to 45% growth every year during the pandemic. So now we're seeing the value. And we have relationships, we have tough conversations. And uh, then you can see the table. So you prove and get an ego out of the door and say, hey, I'm a CMO. It's not an ego game anymore. So. How much time do you, guess you, do you spend with your peers versus your team? Uh, I spend about, when I started, I spent 80% of the time with the team because I had to kind of grow the organization. Now the team is probably 25, 30%. With my peers, it's about 40 and the rest of the customers and feedback. So that's kind of I'm about a third, a third, a third. Oh, wow. We didn't. I know. We didn't. Oh, no. Well, I mean, that, and, and, and then I want to go through, like, what you, what you guys are, but that's a big shift. I don't know if you guys are catching that part. Of, like, you probably are going to spend, if you're looking at your role right now as an emerging CMO, if you haven't spent time with you, your CRO, your CFO, your CEO, you really not on the path to become CMO. Can't break it to you any other way but that. Like you just are not. So if you are the best content writer in the world, you're gonna get more content to write. If you're the best demand jet person, you're gonna get more demand. Yeah. Uh, but if you have to break out, then you have to understand that you're probably gonna spend more time with your peers outside of marketing. That's the more part outside of marketing as opposed to in. So What's a good CMO investment? Hey marketers, you've been waiting for it and it's finally happening. The B2B Marketing Exchange is back in person in Scottsdale. If you're a fan of the conversations we share on the B2B MX podcast, this event is literally made for you. Get a front row seat at sessions that will challenge everything you think you know about marketing. Plus, you'll finally get back to in-person networking in a safe, comfortable environment. If you register today, you'll not only knock $500 off the ticket price with our early bird discount, but you'll save an additional 50% by using the code B2BMXPOD during registration. Early bird expires January 15th, so make sure you register today to save big. Check out the show notes for more information or head to b2bmarketing.exchange to get your ticket now. Well, I'll take a different approach. To me, a good CMO is one that can walk into the business and assess what the business needs and be able to put together a strategy and a plan for working and gathering alignment across the leadership team so that you can bring that strategy to life. And it is very different depending upon what company you walk into. So you have to go in and be a little bit of a consultant, 
and be able to diagnose what the needs are. There's no blueprint for walking into an organization and being a good CMO. It is walking into this situation, what is needed for me as a leader? And when you take it from that approach, you are flexible, you'll have the conversations, you'll learn, and you'll be willing to then partner across the organization to bring it into play. Did you have to backtrack a lot at any oh. point? Like, I came in there thinking I'm gonna do this. You, you come in with a, you think you might have the playbook or you're outside, you're interviewing, and you're like, oh, I, I think I know what they need, but you go in. And now you can see the fractures <laughs> and the fissures, <laughs> the gas pockets, and you're like, oh my goodness. And you do have to backtrack and be willing to recognize that it's not backtrack, it's part of the diagnosis. In order to be effective, you absolutely have to be willing to unlearn, right, so that you can really create what needs to be done to grow for the future. What's your thing? Uh, that was that. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I got to figure out another spin on this one. But the, uh, yeah, marketing. Uh, I know. It's coming right now. Uh, I will say, I've noticed the, the people that I admire the most, as well as in my career path, the more objective you are and less subjective, the higher up you go in the org. And I'm going to give an example. If your team works 40 hours on an ebook and you're part of that team, it's the best ebook in the world. But if you don't think it's going to produce results as the CMO, you got to shut it down. The objectivity is, I don't think that's hitting what we need to hit, regardless of what went into it. And so the subjectivity is, is, is moved. Like you were truly looking at it from a business standpoint, not your team's standpoint. And that's tough, because I grew up like protecting my team. I had the best managers that always protected us. But I found out sometimes that was at a detriment. Once you got to the numbers, once you got to like, it's black, it's white. Anything that's gray needs to be put in black or white. Once you got to that, that's where everybody else is talking the same language. Finance, sales, um, HR, it's all black and white, and marketing is the only function that gets away with the gray way too often. And so I found the higher up you go, the more objective you need to be. And people just embrace it. Even if you have to take a swag, like, eh, 80%, I'm pretty sure of this, it's better than, I don't know, we'll see. Right? That people need that, that objectivity because everybody else works in that. And so if marketing doesn't, you're never going to come fit in. Where, where do you guys, each one of you guys, spend most of your time as a CMO? Like, what, is, what do you do that you're like, well, I, you know, I never thought as a CMO I was spending time doing this? I have no questions, but I just say, like, yeah, let's make sure. Let's talk to them. Yeah, I think the first three months was really, like, like you said, right? I, I, I thought it would how I just need to kind of shift the points around, but I cracked foundation, right? How we can stop the bleed. First three months, stop the bleed, understand the team structure, really lay out the strategy, and really kind of talk to your executive team, and this is what marketing can drive for the business. And you're basically changing your tires and moving car, right? They don't know how broken it is, but you lay out a plan, you build a team, and you execute. I mean, it's going to get simple to that. Here's a goal and how you hit the goal, but build a rock solid team. I think my team is pretty strong. And uh, make sure you can actually create new leaders. If you, if you are kind of saying, I know this stuff, I don't want to give up, then your team's going to suffer, right? Let's say I'm the best content marketer I'm not, by the way. So, and <laughs> if, I'm, if I'm always involved in content and don't let go, then you do yourself a disservice to do your team a disservice. So, so let go 
and, and move forward. So I think that's definitely important. That's what I've learned. And uh, something. How much time do you spend, uh, spend spreadsheets versus actually? Uh, I actually look at it every Friday and every Monday. That's it. Every day. Every day. I spend half a day. And it's because I'm building a team. Like to, to your point, like I found, I found half of the problem was can I trust the data? Like it, some people are like yes, some people are like no, and I basically go, I've got to be able to trust the data, so I've got to build either the infrastructure, the process, the people, whatever it is to help me trust the data so I can say, a dollar in gets me this much out. If I can't say that, I'm not doing my job. Because you know, it's basically like, what are you going to do with this money? I can point to them and go, well, I've been giving you a dollar for every 50 cents, so keep giving me money. And that's real, like I just had that conversation. It's like, give us another five million, because I'm turning it into 10. What other department can do that? If I can't trust the data, can't have that conversation. When were, you, when were you able to have that kind of conversation? Six months in. Six months in, because it was three months of, oh man, like what, what are we doing? <laughs> which spreadsheet do I trust? The other three months was, now which people can I trust? And then once I got that locked in, um, I got the data part, the other part that you hit upon that I, I find myself gravitating towards is, where are the superstars and the superpower? Like, whether it's the people or something that's working inordinately well, and how do I do way more of that? And for us, it was inbound. We were tripping over inbound. So I was like, just do more of that, guys. We'll figure out all the other stuff. And then I'll try to get the data fixed. And then once I get the data fixed and inbound ramped and running, everything else started to fall in place. So to get your take. And if you have any questions, just raise your hand. I'll call on you. My situation is a little bit different. So he's getting data. I'm trying to get the organization <laughs> to use data. There you go. Right? Because it's been a little bit of a wild, wild west kind of situation where I got a hunch and I'm like, we're going to go here, we're horizontal, and we can refit for everyone. And I'm like, can we just take a pause for the course? Right? And really go with the cause. The cause. I like that. I didn't do this. I like that. Right? And, and really get some understanding so that we can take the right motions and have alignment and agreement to um, what we're going to do. We didn't have basic infrastructure in place, so setting up things so that we could get out of the spreadsheet that the CEO was running the business off of, so that we as a leadership team can have a view into the business and be able to contribute and understand exactly how we're aligned to those KPIs, are we hitting them? We have none of that. So right now, I'm implementing the MarTech stack. I'm building the team. We're solidifying what the data sources are that we need to trust, because I don't trust his spreadsheet. I know that sounds very contrary, but I don't trust his spreadsheet, right? So we're wow. just... I don't trust it because A, I know he's touching it constantly, right? Number two, it's not grounded in data or research or voice of the customer. It's grounded in perspective, but it's a singular perspective. We can't afford, as Sean said, we can't be subjective. We have to be completely objective. Data is our friend and understanding that when I go into a conversation, I never go in with any emotions. I don't no, care about emotions. You can't, you can't get passionately emotional about, but I know this is, you can't do that. You'll lose credibility, particularly as you're trying to move through the organization. I go in and I, you know, oh, we need to do this. I don't know if anyone's ever experienced a CEO kind of having that type of a meltdown. 
And my response to that is, you know, you could absolutely be right. What I would like to do is validate your hypothesis with some data. Let me come back to you with some research. Let me go have a conversation, dig up some numbers, and let's validate and test that out. That's a much easier conversation. And that's how you, A, get credibility, B, never be a yes person, and C, get to the outcome. Mic drop. All right. kidding me. Yeah, I got it. Follow up. Questions? Go ahead. Well, of course you all agree, and that's what you said. There was no subjectivity in that at all. That's not what you know if you actually have. I agree, and let's deal with that. Without Bullock's book, I would actually say 100%. Uh, I'm seeing it right now. Uh, uh, phrases. A very large amount of our revenue comes through marketing. Very large, as a point of only a single uh, digit percentage doesn't from the revenue that we have, yet we're banking everything on ABM. So we've been a lead-based company, and in order to make the stretch to 100 million that we know we can make, we have to be an account-based company. And so to lead that, we have to lead the charge, and that's what we're putting in place in marketing right now. And we're seeing the breaks happening across the org because we're not moving fast enough. So I would say I've not only embraced it, I'm trying to hire as fast as possible for it, Side plug if you want a career in India or anything else, come talk to me. But I, I could not agree with it anymore. Great, 10 bucks later. <laughs> yeah, I think so. You can remember the presentation this morning, right? With that CMY call. I mean, I kind of, uh, the question I asked Sam Graham is that how do you stay a CMO? You have to go CMO plus plus, right? So you have to look ABM, then what's next? Like, go to market, you have to continue to own and evolve. You start here, phase one, then you go phase two, product market fit, and then platform, right? I think I'm going to steal it. I'm yeah, cool. Remember, so it's like, that's how you evolve <laughs> as a CMO. So definitely a believer, but you have to evolve your career probably. So I want to chime in. I am a huge believer. However, using Sanguine's model from this morning, when you're in the problem market fit versus the product market fit, right? You know, when, you, when, when your organization is still trying to figure out the TAM and they don't have demand generation in place, your sales organization may be immature and an account plan is not even a conversation, right? You may not be in position to launch an ABM program at that point. However, a good leader knows that that is the pathway to growth that they're going to have to make a pivot to. So I would say with the caveat of knowing when to really dial into it, but always thinking of how you are evolving your strategy to go to that direction, because it truly is the most effective way to move forward. You just have to know when to pull the trigger on it so that it's effective for your organization. So there was a session a little earlier today about the first 60 days coming into a new job, and uh, we'd love to hear your story from each of you about your first 60 days coming in, your first run CMO, and you know what you would recommend people do when you're starting out, and at what point are you, are you really feeling more comfortable in the role? I just see that actually you know, get that embrace that. 
we have achieved 1,500% in our pipeline. We have given you back your money in terms of the revenue. We've also been able to stop the ridiculous churn that we have on books. And by the way, if you're willing to invest another 20% with me, I promise you I can return X. When you can go into the board and have that level of confidence and have them engage with you, asking you questions and loving your strategy, and the board member is texting you going, can I have this presentation? That's what gets fun. I like that. I like that. All right, so I know we got, got just a few more minutes. Did you have a question? Got it. So I'm assuming most of the people that are in Martin Eater seat or Harder seat. What was the, the, the thing that shocked you the most when you got there? Because nobody knows the outside what it's like until you get into the seat. What was it that was kind of like, whoa, I had no idea? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I can't get there because everybody had different expectations on the CMO. So my view of people telling me we need to do process. Hey, uh, the last VCM was only lasted six months. Huh? <laughs> 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 I'm, I'm, yeah. How many months are you going to last? I thought I had nine, but uh, I've, I've been there about 25, so 25, 26 months. So I think people, somebody wanted us to brand, somebody wanted us to do performance marketing, somebody wanted us to uh, really kind of make sure the data is correct. So everybody had different expectations. How do you ground it? And then I started grounding people during my interview process. I made sure the team interviewed me. It's kind of Different, so I requested that. It's a meeting, the team, team should meet me because I knew that if they don't like me and we had baggage, the last three CMOs, there was no trust. So I built the trust up front, but obviously the first thirty day was laying out the expectation, but I told the CEO and the E team, this is what we can deliver for 1690, so there were no surprises. Uh, I mean, level setting expectations because if it was not the right goal for me, I probably wouldn't have taken it because there's no chance for success. So open, transparent, and it helps. I would, I would add to this. Uh, it's very interesting to go into an organization from the outside and then put the mirror up and show them what is actually happening versus what they think. Sales, finance, HR, all across the product, all across the org. That's what I found out was very humbling for me is every team had a completely different perspective on what was working what wasn't working, let alone with their own departments, but within marketing. So the, the shock for me was when I put the mirror up and I said, this is what I'm seeing. That was my first 60 days to, to your answer was, all I tried to do in the first 30 days was put a mirror up and say, this is what I see. This is what I'm, I'm seeing, the strengths, the weaknesses, and I don't even know what the hell that is, right? There's a couple of those. <laughs> but you have to point them out, like you do, you have to go, I can't tell what that is, but that's a problem, right? That surprised me the most of how off perspectives were when you didn't have someone that was going in and driving the conversation instead of reacting to it, or just waiting. And usually when you have people waiting for an order, I mean, you're an order taker. You're not an executive. You're basically just an execution arm of whatever team speaks the loudest. So that was the, that was the hardest part for me, was telling people that their baby's ugly. Over and over and over <laughs> and over. But then you get to the point where you're like, but here's what we can do about it. So that was that's my answer. All of that. Alright, so one word or one sentence answer as we finish this off. What will get to keep you your job? Revenue growth. I was just about to say that you revenue. Growth. That's it. It is no that's it.
And that's one of the reasons why we keep saying that it is a business of marketing. Yes, it is. It is. If it's not a business of marketing, then it really is no marketing at all. So with that, give it up for these guys. Please follow all of them. Thank you. Really, really cool. Thanks, guys. Thank, Thank you so much. All right, guys, that's a wrap on today's episode. You know, I love candid conversations like this. They are truly some of my favorite panel discussions at events. So big shout out to this Rockstar panel for really sharing their points of view and helping our audience reach their goals of becoming CMO. Thank you everyone for tuning into today's episode. As always, be sure to subscribe to the pod so you don't miss any new episode drops. You can find us on all of the major podcast players out there. And of course, drop me a line on Twitter or LinkedIn if you have any feedback or future guest suggestions. Thanks again, everyone. I will catch you next time.